I'm sure I'm not alone in this. We've all done it. Talk to our pals in school, at college, or the workplace even. Or even the bar. Wherever. After watching this week's offering of pro wrestling and talked about what you would do differently. The following episode of the Nitrogen Podcast is proudly brought to you by Promotion Wars. The free wrestling sim where you can book matches, title changes, feuds and way more. Promotion Wars is a free wrestling management simulator that has been brought up to date for 2021. Born 16 years ago, the game now features over 1,900 wrestlers, thousands of venues, over 280 pre-built match types, 21 promotions and the chance to create your own independent company from scratch. Just think football manager, but for the wrestling world. You can download it for free today at promwars.co.uk, P-R-O-M-W-A-R-S.co.uk. So why don't you try what you've always talked about and armchair book your promotion to the top of the wrestling world. Yes guys, it's me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth, and the newly re-gimmicked, bodacious Brian Bradshaw today, continuing our foray into the weird and wonderful world of World Championship Wrestling with the latest episode, Natural number 40 in the timeline, which went down from the Richmond Coliseum in Richmond, Virginia on June 17th, 1996. But before we get into all that, how was life on your side of the street there, Brian? I'm not too bad, I'm nowhere near as ill as last time out. Still got a bit of a croak in my throat, as you can tell, but... I'm on the mend. It's good to hear, my friend. You're drinking a beer as well. I am, yes. Uh, I still haven't got around to the aforementioned taste test from Top Rock Brewery, but I just keep forgetting to actually order anything from them. <laughs> I'm just back on the Desperados at the moment. I will get around to that. We've got a long way ways to go, so I've got plenty of time to fill them in. Well, if you gents from Top Rock Brewing are listening, um, hope all's gone well with the move. They've just moved their brewery, actually, so whilst you would have been able to order things, I'm pretty sure you'd have been able to order things. They've actually not been brewing much because they've been moving everything, and one of the big vats that they use, they've actually uh, named it after Brody Lee. So there you go. They got, I think they got four big ones, and uh, they named one Brody, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm anticipating an ale for uh, for Brody as well in the near future, but they haven't dropped it. They haven't dropped any hints on that. I'm just I'm just kind of guessing or betting that they probably will. Um, See, you're saying an L, but I don't know. I I, I have I have this idea because uh, this idea of like matching the colour theme to the beer, and I reckon it's going to be some kind of like fruity IPA, but something purple, like a blackcurrant, because Dark Order's colours are purple. So yeah. mm, I don't know. You might be right. You might be. It, I, I I imagine that if you know. If Brody came to England, he would be drinking an ale. I think he would. I, I don't think ale's pretty big in America. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it is, but, but um, I, oh, I, I think I think they just call it beer, don't they? they yeah. They don't have the, they don't have the subcategories that we have. I've had I beers mean, brought over for me from America, and um, American ales just don't have that appeal. The same. I don't think they have that much effort put into them like we do. Um, it's, it's a distinctive, it's a distinctively British thing. I think it is. Yeah, it's more of a I staple mean, for us. You, 
all you need to, all you need to do is watch that episode of Friends where they go to London. When they go back, they're on about Boddington's. Boddington's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it just seems like, yeah, it's not particularly a thing in America like it is over here. Yeah. But, you know, if... if I know that when Americans do tend to come over here, particularly American wrestlers, they will they will drink ale more than anything. Yeah. Speaking of which, I had the American Dream uh, Pale Ale from Top Rock Brewing over the weekend as well, and that was pretty nice. It's quite low on the uh, percentage scale. As I said to you before I started recording, I have no beer in my fridge now that's below 7.4%, which is what I'm drinking now. Because <laughs> I drank the last one, which was the American Dream Pale Ale. And it had the... Um, so obviously they do the uh, the cans in the designs, don't they? And it had Dusty Rhodes' attire from uh, the WWF back then with the polka yeah, dots. The bla- yeah, the black and yellow polka dots. Yeah, yeah. Which was meant to be a rib to try and... Uh, just, just to try and hold him down, and he got it over anyway. Yeah. It looked much better on a can of beer. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it did. So- God bless you, Dusty. But <laughs> I, I do concur. Yeah. So let's let's jump in today with this episode of WCW Nitro from the Richmond Coliseum, as I've just said, an attendance of 5,638 people. Uh, the commentary team to start off with for the first hour, Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco, and obviously that changes on hour two. However, Eric Bischoff will not be here because of what happened to him the night before at the Great American Bash 1996. For those of you that don't know, we did a watch along. It was the last episode that we dropped on all your favourite podcast networks, so you can you can give that a listen to. Uh, Brian had quite a lot to say about the angle where Eric Bischoff goes through the table, so it's worth checking out. So starting off, the initial team of Tony and Larry run down seemingly all the goings-on in WCW and all the post-Great American Bash garb. Um, detailing much of the incidents starting with of course Bischoff, Hall and Nash and the powerbomb this was weird because as Kevin Nash is about to perform the jackknife on Eric Bischoff they cut the video there and say this is the second half of this story and we'll show it to you later Like we know what's going to happen from there he's already in the jackknife position <laughs> we can already assume that he's going to put Eric in the jack, uh, into the jackknife powerbomb yeah like that it's just the worst teaser ever. Yep. It's like it's like a hit movie trailer where they just show all the good bits in the trailer and they say, Yeah, go see the film and the films are fucking underwhelming as a result. Mm-hmm. It, it's that same effect. They may as well have had that deep voice narrator over it. Yeah, the only other thing that they really could have done when they stopped it was somebody came out and hit Kevin Nash, but even so, it's it's not gonna make no difference, is it? We already know what's gonna happen. Um in the same video as uh, Brian's just detailed as well, you, you I did note that Hall say, still says the Nacho Man, the Huckster, and they're both asked if they're working for the WWF, although obviously the F is edited out on the network, uh, and Hall is still wearing denim after the cease and desist letter that we detailed on the last episode of the Nitrogen podcast, not the watch-along, the actual Nitro yes. one. Um, I noticed that as well. I'm like, okay, I'm wrong. So Vince has sent the letter, and they've just gone, well, okay, then we're going to do it more. <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> so bizarre. Uh, also, Mongo is now in the Horseman, uh, and there's much, much more that these guys talk about, but they're the they're the main ones to take away from it. Uh, I should have noted as well there was a dark match just before all this kicked off, which was for the WCW United States heavyweight title between Conan, who defeated Jim Powers. So Conan's still the champion for what seems like the whole of 1996 for the second biggest title in WCW. There you yeah, go. he's had it since January. Josh, just can't believe so. it. First off, uh, on the televised event, we're going to see Rick Steiner face off against Stevie Ray. Um, 
quick note about the Harlem Heat theme tune as Stevie Ray comes out first. It was actually bought by Vince McMahon from Turner because Booker T said that he needed it to come with him to the WWF because initially he felt almost naked without the theme tune. I learned this from the Eric Bischoff podcast 83 weeks uh, this past week as they did a special on Harlem Heat and it was Booker T that told that story. It's just um, incredible really, isn't it? But the the, the theme itself, you play that to any wrestling fan in the world and you know straight away who that theme is. Yeah, very unique. Mm. But as it happens, that is actually a story I already knew. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I didn't know that, but yeah, it seems to be a it seems to be a fairly well known thing. Um, yeah, it's very very rare that something WCW related I knew before you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just I'm sitting on my high horse now. I'm just going to be here with that little bit of uh, pride in my eye. That's okay, mate. You're, you're absolutely fine. You're absolutely fine up there. Uh, I did I want to tell ask... you. Which, I didn't tell you which eye though. <laughs> I did want to ask your opinions on the new attire for Stevie Ray, which is now purple and flames rather than the BDSM stuff that you were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it looks a lot better. <laughs> I will say though, not a fan of the colours because it just it, it doesn't work for that gimmick for me. But mm. I can let it slide. It, it actually looks like wrestling attire. Yeah, yeah, it's a big improvement. Lots of offence from Stevie, who actually looks good here for a little bit. Um, Stevie gets a really bad rap, and he'll get a bad rap from me as well. Uh, But in this match, he actually didn't look too bad. Um, No. Standing with a belly-to-belly overhead release suplex, and Stevie almost completely on his head with a neck break. Um, A bulldog from the top doesn't get a pin, but a clothesline does. And the winner in this one, 2 minutes and 14 seconds, Rick Steiner via the pinfall. Anything of not? <laughs> yeah, it it was what it was. Mm. You know, it it weren't bad, but it weren't brilliant. It no. there just weren't enough time given to it for it to get going, and it ended so abruptly. Yes, um, I mean that's WCW finishes in, in a nutshell. It ended abruptly. Yeah, that was, that was WCW. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 2001 just ended abruptly. <laughs> uh, Booker T is in unexpectedly after this. Uh, a big kick and a Harlem double team. Uh, to Rick, obviously, giving him the Harlem hangover, but Scott is out to attempt to protect his brother and actually gets nailed by Booker, who's on the top rope for the second half of the Harlem hangover. Um, yeah, yeah, weird. Scott really looks weird. a bit dumb here. Yeah, he does a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got a world title match and you're just going to, you know, protect your brother. Like, and I know it's your brother, but, like, Priorities, mate. You know, you're in you're in the business of professional wrestling. You want to be the world champion, and you're facing the fucking giant. You know, let your brother take that. He'll be fine. He will quickly recover. You know, you get prepared for your match tonight. Yeah. No, no. I'll just go and fuck my ribs up. Why not? Trying to get the face heat on him, um, but I mean, if you think about it logically, you're going to bounce off the ropes, which takes care of Booker T because he'll probably crotch shot it. And then whilst you're bouncing off the ropes, you just give a, a big clothesline to Stevie Ray. Job done. Stand tall. Get out of dodge with your brother that's that's wrestling psychology to me so yeah didn't make any sense just sliding underneath the bottom rope and then just covering your brother um just bizarre so anyway rather than get sidetracked by that we're going to go into another singles match next then it's going to be joe gomez versus the disco inferno there was actually something i was overlooking and i'm going to bring it up because i've actually been meaning to ask this for a while just to briefly go back to that match Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously after every match it's your replays for some reason, when they show the replays, they cut to a slow, slow down footage, a slow motion footage of their entrances. 
Can you explain to me why do they do that? Because it it, it, it doesn't make it more real to me. It makes it feel less wrestling, more, I don't know, darts. <laughs> it sounds... It, it, are they just capitalising capitalizing off the Baywatch fame by doing that? They could be a little bit, yeah. Unless Rick Steiner is coming out in a red leotard and a, uh, and a blonde wig. Even then, I don't want to see it, but it would make more fucking sense to me. Yeah, I mean, I think a wrestler looks best when they're making their entrance. I think that's probably the reason why they use it. The fireworks obviously help because we know many people out there are just fascinated with fireworks. Um, that would be my guess. But, but it... It it just it, it just always looks out of place for me. Yeah. Like I, and speaking of pyro, Rick Steiner's pyro when he came out, pathetic. Yeah, they were just like little you twinkles know, or something. Weren't they were like poof, 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 poof. You yeah. know, it, like, it, it was just nothing. The other thing I'll note about that uh, the replay that showed. So it was sponsored by One Eight Hundred Collect, and I don't think they showed a move. They just showed a pin. <laughs> and then they showed a move <laughs> like, and this is yeah. like so again if you went with the WWF slam of the week and it was just a pin you'd be like really really what are you doing like oh, come on don't even, do not even get me started with the WWF have you ever heard of the WWF boot of the week we've covered this in the podcast you, you've yes uh, sponsored by Wugs yeah. and yeah. half the time it wasn't a fucking boot yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's Mae Young doing a crotch uh, job that was Lug's boot of the week we couldn't find any footage of anybody using their foot during a wrestling match at all for two hours in one episode. Yeah, okay then. All right. Um, next up, uh, singles match between Joe Gomez and the Disco Inferno. Again, the commentary team talk up, in particular, Tony Schiavone notes that Hogan called the show up or called up WCW offices to throw his name into the hat for the war declared by the Outsiders, who are obviously Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Um, yeah, you knew Hulk Hogan was going to get in there, didn't you? Yeah, uh, he's, he's got to have the shine on. Of course. Yeah. Disco, early in with the offence, turns ar- uh, turned around by Gomez with an atomic drop, a reverse atomic drop. Um, and then Disco kind of just clatters into the turnbuckle and then comes back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a clothesline and a drop kick as Disco goes to the outside. A drop kick from the debuting Joe Gomez here. And a very decent one as well. Wasn't bad, was it? You know, it, it were a solid seven. Actually, I had to put down a solid seven point five because um, it, it was actually quite high angled. It just didn't have the snap on it, so I felt like if it actually had the snap, it would have been an eight. Yeah. But I felt it would have been too harsh to give it give it a seven. So I'm gonna go in between. It gets the first seven point five or a point five. You know, uh, good on you, Joe Gomez. Uh, work on it, please. Or <laughs> I want I want to see that actually have some force into it some snap just make it look like it's real you know I mean if you get a little bit of snap in that you're fucking competing with the Alex Wrights and the hardcore hoes of this world mate yeah yeah um, that, I think that's actually the first point numerical um, rating that you've given so that's the yeah. first 7.5 or something like that that's the yeah first that's point. what I was getting at yeah um, you can tell with the- math <laughs> You actually gave it a name, and I'm just struggling to f- figure out what to call it. It's a just point five thing. <laughs> just call it a m- 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 point five thing. Half. It's a half. I've never given a half. Yeah. So Gomez. No, I, don't, I a... don't give halves. I give full efforts. Whoa! Hey, steady on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bodacious for a reason, mate. Bodacious. <laughs> Say it right. Bodacious. Bodacious. <laughs> I am not turning any person on with that. I need to stop. 
also, once we finish this podcast, um, or maybe like at, at a certain point, can we release a T-shirt where it's like the it's like a tour T-shirt except it's for drop kicks, and on the back instead of dates, it's got all the ratings. Oh come on, man! That yeah. is a, that is a great idea. So the wrestling name and then the rating, wrestling name rating, and then on the front we just have a big splash fucking logo type thing, and it'll just say drop drop kick all meter, fucking on tour. It's a funny story though. Uh, I was actually thinking about this when I was uh, taking a shit earlier. Sorry guys. Excellent. Being, I'm being honest about this, but you know, as you're on the toilet, you ain't got out to read. You know, you're having a shit. You know, you, you your mind wanders. You think about things. It's either that or you read a shampoo bottle. I, I was just thinking about this, like it's just anything, like anything that just sticks in our minds, just something that just these phrases that we hear, you know, like like fantastic. I can't even do the voice at the moment, but like fantastic and shit like that. Every time something like that comes up, we're like, gotta put that on a t-shirt, gotta put that on a t-shirt, gotta put that on a t-shirt. Like people keep saying that AEW is a t-shirt company, but we're coming for fucking Tony Khan's money here. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to be honest as well. I don't like these AEW t-shirts. I think ours are better. Mm, yeah, the ones that we uh, well we haven't released yet officially, but no. the ones that we have, we they're, you know they're in the works. Believe me, they're in the works. They're, they're in the works. Yes, yes. Um, we're just looking for the right host at the right time. And to be honest, with the with one year anniversary of the Nitrogen Podcast coming up very soon, maybe that would be our uh, that might be our celebration. Yeah, oh, just remind me to get the party poppers. I, I think that would just be a cool touch as we announce the t-shirt. Just pull the party potter. Uh, party potter. Pop it. Pop it. Party potter. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell we've been drinking. Popper, popper, popper. We were talking about them high peas a few weeks ago. Well, you've got your pot mic now, so you're putting it to good use. Oh my god, that's brilliant! Yeah. I'm, I'm all about the sound effects. Is what I was getting at, like you know, just a party popper, you know, as we as we you know celebrate. Because unfortunately, as it's looking like, we're going to be celebrating from distance. Yeah, you know, we we've been doing this for nearly a year, and we've not actually done one in person as planned yet. No, you know, it, it's such a fucking shame, and we're enjoying it. We are, we are loving it. But I've always said from the get go that yeah, we have a rhyme. You know, we have a rhyme. We have a rhythm. As we're doing it from from a distance, even though we're like five minutes away from each other, really. But <laughs> yeah. you know, from a distance, it, it it's fun. But God, when it, just to be a fly on the wall when when we are in the pub, guys, just like listen to us talk shit. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure we would have every podcast award going for that kind of thing. <laughs> and I can't promise that we're going to have that content because obviously we've got to be professional, we've got to be prepared, and all that. We can't just keep ablibbing shit, you know. But it will be. I, I, I do think we will get into our peak podcasting when we're doing it together. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and yeah, like you said, it, when you're in a pub, four or five beers. When, once they're inside you, that's it. You, you just open up, don't you? So you're just like, I don't care. You just debate everything and anything, and you're more charismatic, I think, as well. Like you, you talk better. I, I say erm a lot, and I apologise for that. I, I really shouldn't do it, and I stutter quite a lot. But I think when I'm drunk, I don't say erm quite a lot. I think my no. brain works at a, a good speed for my mouth to keep up. Um, I might slow my words a little bit, but other than that, I don't normally stutter, and I don't normally erm, erm, erm. I've always claimed that the drunker I get, the more sophisticated I get. And the funnier you get. <laughs> oh, fucking hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone says that. They said, there's two things that happen when you get drunk, Brian. You get funnier and you get louder. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I can't get any louder than what I am. 
Yeah, fu- I, I apparently can. Yeah, definitely. Once you've had a few beers, it's darker and bluer. It's just fucking great. It's just yeah. fucking brilliant. Um, See, that's why we can't do a podcast while I'm completely drunk in a pub because <laughs> it, there's no rating. We've already got the explicit rating on this podcast. Like, there's no rating for that. The the FCC will be like, nope. Uh, sorry, the BFCC. Sorry, they'll be like, nope. We cannot release this. Yeah, I'll be mm. abusing that beat button that I abused a few months ago on the uh, on, on the watch along <laughs> when you were calling everybody and every, anybody and everybody in WCW pedophiles for no fucking reason yeah I think I called Bischoff a child molester didn't I was, oh it, it was him yes yeah it was Bischoff or whoever is booking this shit <laughs> so it might not have been Bischoff but it might have been Bischoff yeah I read to a discussion this with a mate the other day that I think I can tell when it's a when it's a Terry Taylor booked match and when it's a Kevin Sullivan booked match Right. Uh, I think I've figured that out, and the reason, and I was, uh, here's my here's my theory why I think that it's a Terry Taylor and a, you know under uh, um, Kevin Sullivan book match. Uh, here's my theory on that. It's because we've all, we've all listened to well we've listened to uh, eighty three weeks, and Eric Bischoff has not been so kind about Terry Taylor, and I, I've been doing like little bits of research and all that, and there are a lot of people that call him a hack, mm. and. Because there's so many people that call him a hack, I think that he's the one that's having that he's the one that's booking a lot of the shitty finishes, and possibly the shittier matches. I might be wrong, but it's just a guess at the end of the day, and I'm standing by that guess. Well, I'm okay with um, blaming Terry Taylor, to be perfectly honest. From what I've heard, I can only go off what I've heard, and I've obviously yeah. never met the guy, so nor will I ever. No. To be perfectly honest. No. Love you, Terry, but fuck off. It's <laughs> not the first time you said that about either. Yeah. Okay, so back back into this. Gomez with a quick reversal when Disco has f- finished giving Penzer a lot of verbal on the outside. Um, what was that about? I have no he idea. Just, but yeah, if, neither do I. Just, he gets out of the ring and just starts abusing poor Dave Penzer. It's weird as well because last week I was listening to Dave Penzer's podcast and he had the Disco Inferno on. And that's wow. when I found out that the Disco Inferno, wherever he's living these days, actually... Uh, runs a strip club. So, <laughs> so genuinely, what a surprise! That is what he does with his time now. So in WCW, he was just like a, a dancing disco hog, uh, wrestler type guy, and now he runs a strip joint. Oh, for fu- could could you imagine that somebody, one of these lovely, lovely, bodacious ladies, you know, these ladies are just there on the fucking strip pole, you know, and you know more strip clubs. I, I mean, I've never really been in one, but any any strip club that I've seen in a movie, or a TV show, or a fucking video game, cough cough, GTA Five, cough cough. <laughs> Uh, there's always a fucking disco ball above the fucking the main pole and all that. Yeah. I, I can just imagine that somebody's fucking twirling on that and, you know, disco fever starts and disco inferno just comes down the bloody the platform just pointing his arms up and down like he does and just starts taking the fucking limelight. You know, who's paying to see that? I'm not. I'll pay to see it in WCW, man, but if I'm in the strip joint, uh, you know, fuck off disco. And I, I can guarantee you he's at least done that once. You know, living the gimmick, brother. Oh, you've got to, yeah. Yeah. You've just got to you've got to make sure that you shove the stripper out of the way though, or give her the the stunner because that was his finisher, wasn't it? <laughs> give her the stunner and just or the village people's elbow. I fucking love that name. It's so fucking funny. Yes, brilliant. Oh, I never even knew it existed until I went to that WWE show, and then he did it, and he's it's like YMCA. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. This is so good, and it just made. That's why I can't hear people slag off Disco Inferno. It's just so fucking good. I know, I know, he's a bit of a fucking weirdo in reality, but 
Like, I think well, he's just a... I, I think he's just a troll, what I'm getting at. Like, he, he's a troll. He knows how to get under people's skin, so he just utilises it because, you know, he, he likes the attention and, you know, I mean... I mean, who am I to judge him for that? But he, he can come across as a bit of a dick, but he's just doing that for the sake of doing it. But, you know, I, I don't mean any ill will on him. And the character, like, I know people... And I even I used to say, oh, yeah, he never fucking drew a dime. But just watching this, he's, he is entertaining. I've had some. I've had some really good laughs with this guy. Yeah, like you said, he's the ultimate troll. And what better to live the gimmick as the ultimate troll than own a strip club where the girls don't take their bras off? That is actually right. That's what he's. Wow. They don't. <laughs> Insane. He actually said this on the podcast because he was asked how COVID was affecting his business, and he said it's not affected it at all. It's all social distanced. You can't touch the girls anywhere. You've got to be away from them, and they don't take the tops off. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> wow. I, I don't know if that's just a COVID thing or not. Um, and maybe they do once once this is all done and dusted. Uh, but I, I said to Beth earlier while we were watching this, I said, I want to go to that strip joint, not to see the strippers, but to meet Disco Inferno. That's the only reason I want to go. Uh, and she said, yeah, I'm okay with that. Let's go. So <laughs> need to find wow. out where it's based. I, I don't know where he is. Uh, un- understanding girlfriend. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not he's not the only wrestler to own a strip strip joint. Oh uh, no, no, the, no, the Godfather as well. Like, he still does, uh, doesn't uh, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, his gimmick was that he was a pimp. He's not a real life pimp, but he, he, he does kind of like live the gimmick just a little bit. Yeah, he's a legal you know, he, pimp. <laughs> yeah, he's a legal pimp. He, you know, he, he owns a stri- he owns a strip uh, strip joint. That's it, really. But he can just like put a little bit of uh, razzle dazzle on it and just wear his fair, fair coat his fair, cap, uh, fair hat and have a cigar and act like a pimp but you know it's it's all part of the fun uh, yeah but yeah uh, that, I, that's the only two people I know that do that are in that line of work in reality yeah I, mean, I can there's name count, there's countless uh, countless fucking wrestlers female wrestlers that used to work in Hooters yeah you know there's uh, that is close very very close to being a strip joint really that, that's actually more on the lines of uh, Disco Inferno strip joint, you know, Hooters, but yeah, this this those are damn a dozen, but uh, apart from that, I, I don't really know any ex-stripper wrestlers or or any, any ex-wrestlers apart from Godf- uh, Godfather and now Disco Inferno that run that kind of business or anything like that, you know, but I reckon there's more, a lot more. Have I told you the story about m- me and Hooters? I don't know. You might have. I but... can't remember it. I, I won't spend long talking about it. Anyway, I think I'm bored from Hooters. <laughs> so, there's only one Hooters in England. I don't know if it's in the UK, but I know that there's only one in England, and it's in uh, Nottingham. And uh, me and uh, a couple of mates, we were... In fact, Gary. Gary. Uh, he can verify this story. Um, we all went to Hooters uh, like an hour and a half before a train back home. And there were a football game on. I can't remember who we were playing or whatever, but we had a couple of beers, and they obviously you pay at the end. And the girl that was our Hooters girl, if you want to call them that, sounds so degrading. Uh, <laughs> like, I want to grow up to be a Hooters girl. Uh, so she, obviously, that we weren't her only table. There was another table that looked like it had a complete family on it. Like, and I can't understand you bringing your kids to Hooters for a fucking birthday party, but that family did it anyway, and those kids were like 10. Anyway, <laughs> the moral of the story here is um, the 
Hooter's girl was sorting this family out because there was a discrepancy. We had about 10 minutes to run and get her train. We'd actually called for the bill like 25 minutes ago, uh, but it, the clock was ticking and she just wasn't for, she wasn't coming over. So we bailed, like we left. And <laughs> there was a, it was like a 27 pound bar tab. It's not a lot. Like we only had like two pints each or something like that, but I'm pretty sure that our faces are up like never let these people in ever again. So... The only Hooters in England, and I'm probably no, never going to be able to go back in there. You naughty boy. I know. I've, I've, li- you, I've, lived, I've lived a little bit of a life. Yeah. And he, and he's me fucking uh, innocent, blue-eyed Christian boy. Not Christian, but... You know, I, I <laughs> Not be, innocent I may, and blue-eyed I, either. <laughs> I, I, may, I may as fucking well be in terms of like committing federal crimes, Mark. <laughs> federal crimes? <laughs> well, a crime. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I I had to put a bit of salt and pepper on it. Sorry, oh, but it, know. it occurred to me you got halfway through that story, and I'm like, he's told me this before. <laughs> oh, good. I'm, I'm glad I have. See, memory loss. It's too much drinking. Don't do it, kids. Yeah. Uh, so Disco has been on the outside giving Dave Penzer uh, a little bit of verbal, and once we get back into the ring, Joe Gomez delivers uh, probably one of the most disgusting-looking leg drops I've ever seen in my life, and not in a good way. Um, I, 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 it's hard to describe what actually happened. Uh, he kind of goes for the drop kick, doesn't rotate. His leg wiggles in the air, <laughs> and it just doesn't look good. Um, there's a splash attempt as well, but Disco ducks it, and Gomez hits the top rope to a big pop from the uh, crowd here in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, Disco's back on top, dancing for the fans in between offering more strikes, but it costs him with Gomez in the corner. Gomez with a few whips into each corner back and forth, and then a right hand. But a swinging net breaker from Disco, who again showboats without going for the pinfall. And then finally, nonchalantly, just drapes himself over for the lazy pin, which gets a two count. But Gomez reverses it and gets the three count here. Completely unexpected. Um, but it's okay because Disco's hair is still in place quote unquote this ends with the pinfall Joe Gomez 3 minutes and 22 seconds right well there's something I have to bring up is after he hits the net breaker and he, he starts dancing as he usually does Larry just starts screaming no 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 <laughs> and I just thought like he was lambasting for his dancing just in general like he just he was just so appalled by it he doesn't want to see it but then he quickly follows it up with pinning me with you and I'm like finally a little bit of fucking logic here yeah. <laughs> you know so Larry Sabisco saved it but he also ruined my initial thought and I'll never forgive him for that because just the idea of him shouting no 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 at Disco Inferno dancing is just fucking hilarious to me. <laughs> like more commentary more comment comment more commentators need to do that kind of thing. Mm. Just where a wrestler just does something like a dance or, you know, just just anything in that ilk and they're just sort of appalled by it. So they're just screaming like, No, 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 don't do that, don't do that like Yeah, just that image was just so entertaining. Larry's been good, and uh, to be fair, oh yes, yeah, he's had a really good episode in this one as a whole. Um, yeah, he just seems to get better. Yeah, there's no real quotes that stick out, but yeah, he's just he, he's just always on. Yep, yep, and that's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need to have really funny quotes all the time. You can just be always on and have just little, you know, just a good cadence, a good cadence, and you know, good emotion. 
Yeah. And it, that and, and good knowledge, obviously, but that's what you get. That that's what gets a, a good commentator through. I yeah, mean, definitely. Uh, Jim Ross. Jim Ross. That was what he was all about. I say was because he's not like that anymore, of course. But I have to say, uh, and we will we will talk about the Royal Rumble shortly. But uh, I have to say, having watched uh, quite a bit of the Royal Rumble, having watched quite a bit of so what would be. Uh, last week's Dynamite when it aired over the weekend for us and having watched this um, the WWE commentary team can just go and suck off that one, like they may as well oh. just mute that shit because they're just so implicit, blase, just like uh, you know what I mean, but yeah. uh, Dynamite, everybody's excited all the time, you know, something's going on all the fucking time, like you've got to watch this all the time and uh, JR isn't I don't know. I mean, JR has his, he has, he has he his has moments. His... Tony's, yeah. like you said, Tony is on all the fucking time. Uh, yeah. Excalibur, obviously, is like the knowledge man who knows every fucking move, you know, that you do, ever. Um, and yeah, obviously, JR, I think, is the third most excited out of the three. But yeah, yeah. I, I, that commentary team just makes you, it makes it more more alive. Yeah. Um, and then you add people like Taz onto it, and it just goes another level as well. Mm. You know, Taz on commentary. Anytime he's been on commentary at AEW, it's been fucking gold. Yeah, which makes which is a a massive, massive comparison compared to his latter days of WWE when he was commentating on ECW. Like it just got really weird, and then and in TNA, he had his moments, but you know, he he just got, it just got, I don't know, like I just don't think he. Was right for that product, yeah, it, it, and I and I think he knew it at that point, yeah. and he just started laughing at his own jokes, and you know it's just mm, yeah. I never no, thought it, I'd it, say no. this, but Don West's shoes were actually quite big to fill. Yes, definitely. Yeah, because he was it, another one. He was just hyped up all the time. He was a salesman. That's yeah, his he, job. He, you know, he did it. He, did he it. fucking did that well. Yeah, you know, he he could make the most boring match scene entertaining. Like <laughs> it's so fucking weird how he did that. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, there was a fire up with the uh, Universal Studios once, and he made that entertaining. <laughs> I remember that. God. Uh, next up, backstage with Gene Oakland, we have Ric Flair, woman Miss Elizabeth, and Deborah McMichael. Uh, he says he's uncomfortable with what happened last night at the Great American Bash, and Deborah says it was because of great company and money. All about the green. Um, Fleur not said Kevin Green. No, not that one. <laughs> Fleur said that this is like a Vogue cover with the ladies, obviously Vogue magazine, and pushes Mongo being a horseman, of course, while he says that Macho will find out why, or why, oh, because he did it in a very high voice. <laughs> His yeah, voice just cracked stupidly. Yeah, there's um, definitely something wrong with Ric Flair here, because throughout, throughout this promo, his voice is just cracking all the time. And it just reminds me of a teenager just breaking in his new voice. Or a well, squeaky voice teen out of Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, I think I said a couple of weeks ago while Woman was stroking Jean's chin that he probably had a boner on. You've got Ric Flair with Elizabeth, Woman, and Deborah McMichael. Um, his oh, voice. He's, yeah, he's you know living what he's his thinking. teenage... He's living his fucking teenage years. <laughs> fucking you know, his, teenage, his teenage fantasies have all come out and, you know, he's just... He's just got in that mindset, so his voice is just breaking all over again, <laughs> all over again. And uh, yeah, it, 
any any longer any longer in this promo he probably would have walked into his pants and like oh yeah there's a pube i'm finally <laughs> oh, a man Woo! <laughs> so yes macho will find out why <laughs> he's so happy uh woman continues to stroke gene's chin i just love it i don't know why i love it but i love it um Next up, we're going to see a tag team match, which is going to be the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit versus the American Males, American Males, American Males, Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. Tony says a draw is going to take place later to decide the three to take on the Outsiders at Bash at the Beach, which will include a ranking, I presume, of wins and losses. Uh, the first three names that are mentioned are Luger, Sting and Hogan. The guy's been missing for half of 1996. How can it be based on wins and losses when Hogan's been missing since 19, since the middle of 1996? Anyway, no He's still going over, brother, without actually being there. Yeah. <laughs> Just one phone call is all it takes, brother. Uh, both teams look great here from the start, I thought. Uh, some really good offence initially from the males. Can we, can we just talk about Benoit's black eye? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Fucking how sick did that look? It did. I, I, I couldn't tell if it was actually real or if it was just makeup. We had that debate it, ourselves, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it looks sick, and all I can say is like that that shiner with the red and black attire. He looked like Kano out of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he fucking he should have been in those in those early in those uh, in those nineties uh, Mortal Kombat movies. He should have been that Kano. Just put a put a little bit of makeup on his face and he, just put him in his normal wrestling attire. It fucking works. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's why you know the people, uh, the likes of Mortis come along. They just realise they've got something going here. Mm. They could be Mortal Kombat without actually being Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Uh, intensity, uh, I've noted here from from Benoit as always, just looks so fucking violent in that ring. Uh, and the classic heavyweight professionalism from Arn Anderson, uh, who does a little bit of a comedy kind of skit at the beginning, doesn't he, on the outside of the ring when um, <laughs> he's like got his back to uh, to Scotty Riggs or was it Scotty Riggs it might be both no actually. Bagwell yeah so he shoves him on the back and Orange just like swats him away thinking that it's a fan and Zabisco's sort of like oh he's, he's lost his position and he doesn't know where he is but Orange's <laughs> just like yeah whatever he's got a <laughs> shit eating grin on his face as he looks directly into the camera as well I love it I, I just yeah. love it you know you at that point he looked like fucking Bernard Matthews looking at a turkey you know he would just <laughs> Best way I could describe it, just that kind of grin. Yeah. Oh God. The crowd. I, I just love Arn. I love him so yeah. much. Oh yeah. The crowd is absolutely crazy for Arn, like enamoured with him and the horseman yes. as well, as displayed when Benoit goes off the top. Uh, I've skipped quite a bit of this because there was quite a lot. This is a really good match. Um, yes. But there's quite a lot in it. Um, as displayed when Benoit went off the top for the Euro Canada Cloves lining buff and pumping to the crowd, soaking in the cheers after that. Just after the clothesline, everybody went fucking mental for Arn Anderson. It was great. Um, Benoit wins it with an assist from Arn, who forearms Riggs in the head uh, from the outside on the apron. Benoit suplexes him onto the ropes, rolls him up with his feet, first in the ropes, and then held one, he holds, Arn holds one of the feet as well, just to add that little heel heat spice to it um, adds right. heel heat to the whole horseman thing for me uh, they get the win, the referee could probably clearly see that it's a rope break but right. fuck this it. is exactly what I'm getting to because I we, we have seen this a hundred or so times now and it, it, it basically just to, just to describe uh, what, what, 
what what we're talking about is is where the referee puts more effort into getting into a wall line position so he conveniently cannot see blatant cheating for the sake of having a dirty finish. Yeah. I have I have coined a phrase for that. I've called it playing blind in plain sight. You can ah. easily see that they are you know, that they are cheating. So what you are doing is getting you're putting yourself so low and you're taking a little bit of time to do this, but the pin could already be start you know, you could start already start counting the pin by this point. You're getting to a point where you're just lying down onto the mat and obviously either Randy Anderson or Nick Patrick, so yeah, and then, imagine yeah, Randy Anderson. So imagine that it, it is a little bit difficult to get further down. The characters keep jumping down all the time. Like, you know, you can't get down quick, can you? You know, you have to go down fucking slowly as you're doing it, which really, really annoys me. Uh, just all, all, to, all for the sake of just pretending that you cannot fucking see it. It just makes no sense. It's so lazy. And it adds more, logis- more logic to fucking Earl Habner's slow count, which I've always hated. You know, just fucking work on that, please. I have to kind of disagree because I don't think that Owen was supposed to hold the foot. I think he just did. I think he saw the referee, he can't really see, and I think he just did it to absorb a little bit more. Yeah, but they were were definitely going for that beforehand. They were definitely going for, you know, the the dirty finish. Maybe. Yeah, I I can definitely tell you that's that's what they were going to do. But even then, it doesn't really matter because we've seen this a million times now. It just keeps happening where the referees are just conveniently putting putting themselves in a position to make it look like they can't see when they can. It just doesn't make sense to me. Why why are you lying down on the mat? Why are you taking a fucking nap? You don't need to lie down that fucking low. You can be on your knees and count. Like refereeing 101, you don't need to take a nap. I just oh, I, I, I've hated that right from the off I just do not like it fair enough yeah, uh, winner Benoit and the four horsemen via pinfall 5 minutes 40 seconds 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 <laughs> 5 minutes and 47 seconds given to this one the wrestling observer newsletter actually gave this 3.5 stars um I agree with that. It was a very good match. It was a good match, yeah. My gripes with the refereeing and all that, but then again, fucking, you all know my feelings on the refereeing in WCW by now, guys. But, you know, I, I, I can gloss over it, even though I haven't glossed over it, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll gloss over it. It was a very good match. We're back in the ring talking again about Mongo joining the Four Horsemen, and Arn alludes to Sullivan's business deal, but at the end, he's taking a bath while Horsemen get rich. Benoit says the Horsemen are a boot. Guts, glamour, and glory, and this is definitely horseman country because the fans are just lapping this up. Uh, uh, oh, I'll <laughs> tell you one thing: like that was probably one of the best promos I've ever heard Chris Benoit do. Mm-hmm. Because usually he, he ends up stuttering over his words, or he just, he just goes incoherent. This, he just knew what he had to say, and he said it, and he put a little bit of fire into it as well. Yeah. And honestly, and you, I, I, you can add the black eye to that as well. It just made it so much fucking better. He would just look fucking really angry. Oh, oh really, really good promo. You yeah, know, I, 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 I rewound that a few times because I enjoyed it that much. I don't get to enjoy Benoit promos that often. No. You know, so I, I really took advantage of the the uh, the replayability of the WWE Network for 9.99 or whatever it's going to be in fucking the US uh, soon, but yeah, uh, cheap bug. <laughs> Next up, it's going to be, uh, well, we're continuing this hockey stuff, uh, John Tenter oh. versus Big Bubba, <laughs> who's come to the ring with Jimmy Hart. He's another one that's earning his stripes today, Jimmy Hart. Um, oh, yeah. It's 1-1 with the Her vs. Beard storyline, as last night at the Great American Bash. Again, it's in the Watchlog archives as the last episode that we uploaded. Check but it yeah, out. Yeah, you won't, you won't know that, because... Uh, 
unless unless Big Brother is like a, a one of them fucking weird Play-Doh things that you just push down and the hair sprouts out, that they they hear the 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 Play-Doh spouts out yeah. of it, right? You really push down, like unless he's he can do that with his hair. His hair was not touched the night before. It, it was it was it was grazed at best because he's still got a fucking full goatee here. Yeah, he grows really quickly, <laughs> like yeah. ridiculously quickly. I do have a mate that grows really quickly. It's bizarre. Yeah, um, but yeah, but, I agree. Yeah, for TV, you you've just got to shave it again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, or shave half of it. You know, like, like John Tender did. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's one one. Um, I said it, I I could really care less to be honest. Sorry. No. Uh, Jimmy Hart does get an atomic drop though I'm pretty sure he wanted to go over the top ropes to sell it but realised he couldn't so he bounced out under the ropes lost his glasses completely <laughs> during the commentary uh, during the match sorry commentary said Tony sorry Tony said that Macho Man has agreed to counselling and all that sorts to come back to WCW and that Mongo's briefcase of money last night at Great American Bash was actually Macho's alimony Zabisco retorts to that by saying this is a statement for men all over the United States Sign a prenuptial agreement, folks. <laughs> I liked it. The winner of this one, John Tenter, with his feet on the ropes after a power slam. Uh, yeah, John Tenter, the face, by the way, the doing face. the heel move. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, four minutes and 41 seconds given to this shower of shite. After the match, Tenter chases Jimmy, who gives Bubba a slapjack, which is a loaded sock, which it turns out had coins in it. It was quite smart. To, to kind of we obviously knew that he was hitting him with a tennis ball or something like that but there was also a, another small ball that Bubba had kept hold of and then he unloads that ball and it's full of coins uh, yeah all over the uh, all over the back of John Tenter he then picks up a handful of these coins because he's about to be interviewed at ringside by Gene who was initially yeah. going to be interviewing John Tenter but obviously I do have to say those, those uh, slapjack uh, fucking hell, I can't use that term anymore. WWE has completely ruined that term. You know, the sock full of coins, that shot. Did you actually take note the sound effects from it? There was yeah. a noticeable thudding, and it just... That was the best part of this match. Not that that was hard, but, you know, that was actually really enjoyable. It added some realism to it. You actually heard the thuds, and it yeah. like... I mean, we we spoke about it before. I've spoken about this a lot. If, you know, if, if, someone, if someone uses the ring bell, I want to hear that ding. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense, but I've got to hear that ding. Yeah. You know, they, this actually does make sense, and it actually would make a fucking noise. And fucking hell, they've added that in post, and it's brilliant. I love it. I really mm. do. Uh, ringside, just near the entranceway, actually, Jimmy and Bubba are making examples of everyone, apparently. Bubba promotes the replay for the Great American Bash here really well, saying, if anyone doubts that he's been kicking the fat, and he says this twice, by the way, uh, John Tenter's ass every week, then tune in, because he certainly will be. But is Oakland, that what he said? Yes, he did. Oakland but, but, tried to say, um, actually, um, but Bubba just pulls the microphone back to him and says, with a very southern hick drawl, um, something that I didn't write down. Apparently, uh, he also he also threw some of the change that he had actually picked up after whacking Tenter with the slapjack into the crowd and says it might be chump change, but look at the damage it does to the fat guy in the ring. Yeah, um, I didn't really take note of what he said. Because he was saying it so fast, and he was so gassed as well. It just—it was very hard to really understand what he was actually saying. <laughs> I, I just—but to be fair, I ended up laughing at him because he's going bright red in the face. And going, <laughs> I just said, John, I don't hit him with a I beat him every week, and you know that. I'm like, slow down a minute, please. Yes. 
you know, he was just, he was at 100 mile per hour. But as he's doing that, and he's, as you say, he's got his southern hit draw and he's going red in the face, his eyes are wide open. The visuals, it, 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 for me, comedy gold. Yeah. But, you know. Is yeah, it, it's just, almost as if he's learning his trade again here. It's, it's, I yeah. find it weird. Yeah. Next up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Gene Oakland backstage with the fucking macho man, Randy Savage. And... Ooh, yeah! That shows you how excited I am to see him. This is fantastic. This is so oh, fucking good. brilliant promo. Brilliant, brilliant promo. I've been waiting so long to talk about this. Usually my plan is no plan. This time, tonight, don't blink. Because I'm going to take my time. I'm going to be calculated. He is preoccupied with the women around Man, is he ever. And he doesn't understand that he's in a lot of trouble because I won't go away. Mean Gene Okerlund, I'm not all there. I admit that. But you know what? I'm staying in the WCW forever and forever and forever because there's no man that can put me down, nature boy. I am the macho man. Do you understand that? In just a little while, I'm going to be walking down that aisle. In fact, I can't wait. I'm what? going now. I have a question for you before you leave, macho What's man. What's your question? Did you seek any kind of treatment, any kind of psychological help, behavioral help? Yes, I did. I saw a woman psychiatrist, and she said I was OCD, one cool dude, and she understands the way I think right now, and everything's cool, everything's copacetic, everybody's happy, and I'm happy too, because I'm happy about what I'm going to do right now. Check it out. I'm going to check it out. I thank you, the macho man, Randy Savage. It's just that line that he just says, I've seen a woman psychiatrist, and she says, I am OCD, one cool dude. Yes. Again, put that on a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, this this was great from Macho Man. This was rediscovering the form that we really enjoyed at the beginning of the Nitros. But somewhere along the way when Hogan kept trying to fucking one-up him, and then it's almost as if Macho was trying to one-up Hogan, but they were actually just they were making each other look poor. Um, this has rediscovered some form because he was perfect in this promo. I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. The Aussie... Excuse me. The OCD comment was just that, that just fucking put the icing on the cake with the cherry on the top of it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, it's <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that, and yet I have a f- sneaking suspicion he's going to fucking manage it. Yeah, somehow, some way. He always tends to do it. Yeah. It's a prelude to the uh, match which is coming up next, which is Ric Flair accompanied to the ring by Deborah McMichael, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman versus Randy Macho Man Savage. Prepare for this. Folks, because I fucking love this as well. I thought this was brilliant. Heenan is about to join the commentators for the second hour, but Macho Man fucking chases him from the commentary booth <laughs> into the fucking ring. Now, I should have mentioned at the beginning that the commentators are actually right up at the entranceway. Yeah. Now, normally Tony and Larry are usually at ringside, and Bischoff and Heenan will be at the entranceway, but because obviously Bischoff isn't there, they've decided that they're just going to go over to the box over at the entranceway and they're going to do the entire thing from there. Heenan is just about to sit down and Macho just chases him into the ring. Heenan like jumps over the rope superbly for a man with a bad neck, according to Brian Pillman. Uh, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, <laughs> next out, Rick Fleur with a Kevin Green shirt. He then asks, well, where are you now? And that is great foreshadowing for what's coming in the future. So fucking good. And I don't even think we even knew. 
The crowd is fucking mental here, and I'm so sorry for so many F-bombs for this as well. Flair oh, bubbles them it. nicely with a promo on Macho from the outside of the ring. Um, he says something about, what is it, d- divorce, well, he says divorce, and that's just like the ultimate shot in the heart. Yeah, he says, um, every man has to suffer the pain of defeat and divorce. Uh, sorry, has, every man has to suffer the pain of defeat, mm-hmm. but Savage has to suffer the pain of defeat and divorce. Yeah. Whilst kissing Elizabeth Sand, uh, Macho gets on a mic and he just simply says, "I'm gonna kick your ass," and see, runs out to a huge pop. The fucking yeah. roof nearly came off his building. Yeah, see, there you go. You should have been fucking cutting that promo, not me. <laughs> and I, I begged, I begged to do that, but I, it turns out I still can't do it. Well, don't get me wrong. When it comes to this match, the uh, it's the usual spots individually from Ric Flair, so the big back body drops and you know Macho going over the guardrail. It's the standard stuff that you'll see from these two. I did note that obviously Macho squeezed under the guardrail, which I've never seen before in my life. He came under the guardrail, got up onto his feet, and ran after, like shot after Flair. Um, I think he gave him a, uh, a clothesline to start off with. Staggers Flair. They go over to the VIP table. He gives him a full face of fruit platter by slamming his head into this fruit platter on the VIP table at ringside. Uh, well, it's more at the entranceway, really. Macho then shakes up a champagne bottle, pops it, and pours it all out on Fleur to the delight of Tony Schiavone, who chuckles out the phrase, a little bit of a bubbly. <laughs> That's yeah. right, Chris Jericho. You need to pay some royalties to Tony Schiavone because apparently this is his. You work with a guy, you pay him. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> See, I can't even do his voice. <laughs> <laughs> do his singing voice. His singing voice is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where'd that Rick Flair earlier? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> oh, Macho gets back into the ring uh, and rams a candle into Flair's face. <laughs> this is so good. It actually looked like he pulled the candle out of his ass as well. Oh, seriously, it's like it's like a game of Cluedo comes to life. It's fucking Ric Flair in the ring with the candle. <laughs> yeah, Macho did it with the pineapple. Oh man, disgusting looking landing from Fleur when he's uh, when we come back from a variety of chops to Macho. Macho's he's selling him well, but he's just bouncing straight back up on pure adrenaline. Uh, Fleur actually goes up top. Uh, for this disgusting looking landing while Macho is in the other corner I don't know what Fleur was attempting to do here I don't know if he was going to do like the old IVD fucking corner to corner <laughs> that would have been ace to see from Ric Flair I mean fuck it we've seen everything else in this match so why the oh, fuck oh you mean not? cost to cost yeah 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 um, but Macho's in the other corner he's managed to come round and he actually charges at Fleur Fleur attempts to jump and I don't know if he's trying to jump over him or to stomp on him or something uh, but for a moment like Fleur like genuinely just lands on the floor and you think fuck this ain't good they stay on the floor for for probably just under a minute uh because i think flew might be a little bit shook up from this very precarious anyway he gets back up and the match continues uh further down the line flew with a foreign object wax macho and attempts a pin but only gets a two count the referee goes for a trip outside after macho is back up to knee flew who was arguing with the ref in the back a big elbow comes from the top. Macho goes back for a second one, but the women, all three of them, come racing into the ring. Deborah comes in third. Um, quite slow to react, actually, Deborah, I thought, on this one. And they block it by coming in and standing in front of a prone Fleur who's down on the mat. Macho goes for it anyway, and they all scatter. 
there's a power driving on incoming Chris Benoit who's running in to try and make the save. Oren comes in and he's sent straight back out again too. Mongo's finally out and slams Macho Man in the head with the briefcase. And that's going to do it for Fleur who rolls on very, very, very fatigued. And the winner in this one is Ric Flair via pinfall. 12 minutes and 46 seconds of... I've got to say, I fucking loved it. Yep. Uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter gave it three and three quarter stars. And I'm inclined to agree with that. Mm. That's twice in this show that I've agreed with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. <laughs> no, we're both out now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just shell shocked that I'm agreeing with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. That I can't even say Wrestling Observer Newsletter. So yeah, nearly puts it up there again. But, <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I, I am. I, I have to agree. Like. It was just so much fun, so much fun. It was it 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 was slapstick. You know there were there were a lot of things to laugh about, but it it put over the seriousness of this feud at the same time. Yeah, it, and that's not an easy thing to do. Fucking brilliant stuff. Yeah, it did wonders for this. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, I couldn't even. I don't know what to do here because I we usually say, don't we, watch one match from this, but there could be two or three in this one. Uh, next up, you're going to see the Horseman beating down Macho four on one. There's a little bit of a quote from uh, from Tony and Heenan having a bit of fun. It says, uh, "It's easy to stomp a man when he's down," and Heenan says, "Yeah, but it's much more fun." <laughs> and I loved it. We're going to cut backstage, and Gene is there with Jimmy Hart, Kevin Sullivan, and the Giant. Sullivan is insulted that Orange shook hands with him and then stabbed him in the back, alluding to the business deal that they'd already made a few weeks. Oh, is that Nitro. what he was saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I tuned out because uh, spoiler alert, guys. Kevin Sullivan was talking. <laughs> he also puts over the uh, Benoit's fight at the Great American Bash with him the previous night, but ruse the business deal again with Orin. Was he talking about serpents again? Uh, no, for a change. Uh, wow, wow. Okay. The giant takes over from this one <laughs> uh, and cuts a really good cliche-ridden promo about all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put the horsemen together again. Yeah, uh, it, it, a, a cool twist. And further mocking Hulk Hogan's uh, patient for using nursery rhymes. Yeah. It <laughs> challenges one and all of the horsemen to come for him, but he's quite adamant that he's going to give them all a chalk slam. And then we go to a quick recap of Bischoff going through the table at the Great American Bash 1996. They do a hell of a job plugging the replay for this pay-per-view, I've got to add. Um, it's mentioned in almost every match easily tune in tomorrow for the replay of the Great American Bash next up we're going to see the WCW World Cruiserweight title on the line Dean Malenko who's currently the champion versus Rey Mysterio Jr and at the beginning we're going to see Gene at the entranceway with Rey uh, we didn't actually, I didn't actually think he was going to get an entry at the beginning as we detailed about Malenko's win at the Great American Bash in the watchlong he was holding the rope in a very heelish kind of way and we were a bit confused about why this Malenko was doing it because he's not actually a heel. Ray says he doesn't appreciate that and then Gene gives him the opportunity to speak to the Mexican fans that he's got so they speak, sorry, he speaks Spanish again which happened uh, with Conan a couple of weeks ago. Um, Captain's we just said foreign, not foreign language this time. Just foreign. Just foreign. <laughs> like, even more lazy now. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I just don't know what to do with it. That, that was the only notice- It was the only noticeable iffy moment with the captions. Oh, good. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't notice anything else. Well, this it looks like this is a continuing thing 
to broaden the appeal to a more international audience than what WCW was known for in the past. A little bit of a uniqueness and a little bit of just for the Spanish, just for the um, Spanish-speaking citizens and Mexican fans out there. Gene says, you're going to be hearing a whole lot about this man. Oh boy, he wasn't wrong, was he? Nope. Um, Fucking foreshadowed it. <laughs> foreshadowed it. In 2021, the guy came out in the fucking Royal Rumble. Couldn't fucking believe it. So, I tell you what, that's what we'll do now. We'll, we'll, we'll um, talk about the Royal Rumble because it's Rey Mysterio. It's a good segue into it, isn't it? Um, yeah, why not? And your man, the rated R superstar, was the man to get the win at the end, having entered number one, was it? Yep, he was number one and he went all the way. He, uh, I, I think he was in for just over an hour, you know, or yeah. just under an hour, one or the other. Um, it, it were a long time to be in a yeah. ring. It were coming up to an hour, uh, yeah, at least, yeah. And yeah, um, obviously, it's been it's been a point of discussion uh, amongst the wrestling community over the last few days. People just saying like, "Well, we complain about all these old timers coming in, but yet no one's." But no one's bothered about Edge actually winning the Royal Rumble, and you know you're all fucking hypocrites and all this shit, you know. And I'm like, the way I look at it is, it is it's of this. It's like, yes, I would usually agree with that. I would agree with that. However, however, Edge unfair, unfairly lost nine years of his career, and that's not to say he would have actually lasted the whole nine years. He might have retired. He probably would have retired. But at the end of the day, he hadn't wrestled for nine years. He was forced into retirement, and he miraculously came back from that. I, as a as a wrestling purist, uh, you know, I like to see the good guy get the get the gold. You know, I, I really do. I just love it sometimes. And he is, he, he is a babyface at this point. It's just, I just don't think they're going to turn him heel. As entertaining as he is a heel, I just don't think they're going to go down that route. But if this is his, you know, last last chance at winning a title. Even if he doesn't win the title at WrestleMania, even if he doesn't have that one last title run, I I, I can forgive them for once having a all timer, quote unquote, winning the Royal Rumble and taking the spot. And he's only taking one world title spot. There's another world title spot. And they're gonna, they're probably going to go with Sheamus by the looks of, looks of things, and I'm all for that as well for different reasons. But you know, he's only taking one spot, and he's he's simply there just to have have his have his retirement on his own terms, and. No matter what, if he faces Roman Reigns, if he faces Drew McIntyre, if he faces Finn Bauer or Pete Dunn, whoever, as he's teased on NXT, he's there to help get the younger talents over. And if he wins and carries the title for a little bit, or he loses gracefully at WrestleMania, that's his job, that is what he's going to do. Just calm down and let it play out. He is not taking a spot. It's a temporary thing. You know, that's my opinion, my view of it. Apart from that, we'll have to see him win it. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I was shocked. I can't lie to you. I was I was shocked. And when it got down to the final four or whatever, I was just like, there's absolutely no way they're giving it edge. No way. And I said, there's no way they're giving it to Christian either. Um, and then, obviously, when Randy Orton came in, I thought, well, fuck me. That makes a whole lot of sense, actually. Give it Randy yes. Orton. The guy's the fucking... He's the monster heel on the fucking planet. He can still go. He's still, you know, in a relatively decent age range, but he looks good as well. The one yes. thing that I, I had to say about Edge, and, I, you know, I'm not criticising his looks or anything like that, but he certainly didn't look like the Edge that we saw 12 months ago. 
No, of um, course. It, he's, he's, he's lost weight. He's got a bit more gaunt. He's greyed out, like, hella greyed yeah. out. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do. I mean, there's no reason why between now and Mania that he, he couldn't bulk up, you know, and he couldn't, you know, get into some fighting shape again. As you said... That was his it, first match back since June or July, yeah. something like that. So I can... And he did end up injured and it was like a fairly nasty injury as well because he, he tore his triceps, you know. So he, he's obviously not going to be working out anywhere near as much. And we all know that when he came back, he worked out really fucking hard to get into shape. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's understandable that he was going to lose mass in that time. So that I, I can forgive him for that. But yes, he has grayed. He has grayed yeah. a fair bit. And his hair has gone quite wispy as well. Like, yeah. I, I just think... Last year when he came in, because that's that's the, that's the lasting image. That's the lasting image of his return is the return itself. We're not really looking at the matches after. We're looking at that return. His hair was wet, and he just didn't bother to wet his hair this time around. And maybe that's just a difference. And you know, I I speak as a guy who's been going grey since he was twenty four years old. I'm thirty three now, right? And there's no small greys on my on my hair when it's fake and when it's when it's dry. But if I gel my hair, wax my hair, whichever I I usually wax my hair, you can't tell that it's grey on top, you know. And and I'm just saying like wetting your hair can make a whole whole lot of difference. And yeah, I just think you know, Edge is in his mid forties. He's he's been going grey for quite a bit. You can tell with the beard. He just didn't wet his hair, and it took a lot away from his from his from his appeal, I suppose. But you know, I mean, I just say, yeah, he he did look a little bit older and obviously out of shape compared to what we know of him. But like, he, he, I'm pretty sure he'll he'll get back into shape ready for WrestleMania. I thought there were better options, but it's COVID era. It's the Thunderdome. I it's, think it's the perfect sort of tie-in, isn't it? Really, yeah. they, they I, I might think... be see, they might be sitting on a you know a storyline that they don't want to waste on zero fans in the stadium type of deal. Yeah, or it just could be that they had planned to have his one last title run last year, and he unfortunately got injured. So this is their way out of that. They're just giving him that to 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 have his long last title run. Yeah. It could just be that, and that's why I look at it. I I said I said on the night that. If it weren't for his injury, he wouldn't have had that win. He wouldn't have had it, you know. But, you know, I could be wrong, but I just don't feel he would have won the Royal Rumble. I think he would have held that title. He would have had the one last title run by now. And this would be his his, his period where he will still challenge for the title, but he will never win it again. And he will just, like, just, just be there to just to get people over, just to further people, you know. But yeah, I think it's just a, a quick stop, just to get his one last title run, and and then just drop it, drop drop it quickly back, and then just peter out his career from there, however he sees fit. Be interested to see what happens. Um, he, he he has said that with Christian coming back, that he, he does want to have one last run with him as well. So I, I see that's probably where they're going to end up going because I, I I didn't think that Christian was there to stay. He didn't. Uh, yeah. One thing that I did notice, and other people have corrected me on this, and just saying, "Oh no, it's ring rust." It can't be ring rust when you're at the receiving end of things like drop kicks and lariats. You know, it's not you; it's your opponents. Your opponents have clearly told to lighten up. There's things I noticed, like there were not notable any 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 move that was a shot to the head, it missed, or it was light. There was uh, a drop kick from Daniel Brown. Daniel Brown's always been on point with his drop kicks and the camera cut to cover that he missed. 
That was done on purpose. There was a moment in the match where Braun Strowman uh, did a run into the corners into Edge and Christian where he were doing like double variant and all that. He went at full speed at Edge and he noticeably slowed down significantly when it came to Christian and touched him lightly. There was a few moves that were like uh, punch spots which were clearly, there was daylight between him and his head. I think there was concern that he might not be ready because he did he did retire through repeated concussions. So yeah, this is going to be right for you know for 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 um, erring on the, the right side of caution. There, there is going to be that, but from that one, I just looked at it and like, okay, it's just a one-off. Now it's PWI uh, Pro Wrestling Insider that have said that no, he, he is there to have some more matches. It's not just a one one time thing and. You know, maybe that was just uh, just to make sure that he was all right. okay. Just a little bit of a test, and if he if he if he feels all right from that, to see where it goes, yada yada yada. But yeah, now that he's seemingly, you know, there for his final run as well, I, I can definitely see them putting Edge and Christian back together and having one last run as, as a tag team. And if that if that is if that is to happen, I'm all for that. I'm more for that than Edge having his title run because Edge and Christian were my favourite tag team. So yeah. I'm all for that more than anything, really. That was part but, of the reason why I wanted to bring it up with you, to be honest. Yeah, because, because you when, knew when that. I watched it, I thought fucking hell, Brian's gonna be fucking delighted that it's Edge. Oh yeah, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that when they helped. I cried. I'm not gonna lie. I fucking cried. I'm like, yes, please give me the tag team. I want the tag team. Just give them one final run, please. You know, I'm, I'm all for that. And I'm saying that with the biggest Cheshire Cat smile on my face right now. Because that shows you, I, I love them as a tag team. They were my team. And, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping for that one last run as well. And they don't have to win the titles, to be honest with you. I don't want them to win the fucking shitty titles they've got now, if I'm honest with you. But um, I, I just want to see them back together for a little bit. Have one last run and put some teams over and then wherever they go after that, if they go into the sunset, hand in hand or whatever, <laughs> doing, one, <laughs> doing, doing one five second, uh, five second pause in front of a fucking sunset, you know, that kind of thing, just whatever, just, uh, just give me, give me them two together, one last run please. Yeah, I thought, I, I did think Christian looked fucking great cosmetically to be honest. He, he definitely like got he into shape, yeah. he definitely got into shape, he, the, the one thing with Christian is that, he's always had noticeable abs, but holy fuck has he got abs now. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact same effect as Ed's last year. Like, yeah. oh yeah, he's got abs. But holy shit, he's got abs. Hmm. No, it was good. Uh, obviously, everything else that happened on there, there was uh, Roman Reigns defeating Kevin Owens. Uh, Peter Rosenberg, who I have no, no idea who this guy is, defeated R-Truth. Um, he's um, a, a shock jock radio host. and Yeah. He, he, now, he, he now actually does work for WWE. He does yeah, like well, he works in NXT, like on like the pre-shows and all that. On, on some pre-shows, he'll be he'll be there. And all I think that, up, up until up until Roy was the twenty-four-seven champion. Uh, yeah. I think he. I think our truth got that back. Uh, our truth actually lost it to Alicia Fox during the Women's Royal Rumble, and then our truth <laughs> got it. This genuinely happened. Uh, it was fucking hilarious as well because he had so many people like chasing him, chasing after him for this fucking title, and he's beating them all off. Alicia Fox helps him. But then she fucking rolls him up and <laughs> wins the title during the fucking Royal Rumble. Uh, it was really fucking well done. I've got, I can't lie. I fucking I thought it was really well done. And then obviously the Women's Royal Rumble continues, uh, which um, Bianca Belair won. And uh, <laughs> after Alicia Fox had been eliminated from the Royal Rumble, R-Truth quickly jumped on her to get the pinfall, win the 24-7 title back, ran off 
with all them people chasing him again. Um, and then obviously later on, Peter Rosenberg pinned our truth to get a little bit of fucking notoriety on a few of the papers and everything like that. And the commentators, who I've forgotten the names of, uh, one of them turned around and said, well, David Arquette, all is forgiven because this is way worse. <laughs> <laughs> see, I didn't watch anything up until the Royal Rumble match, the Men's Royal Rumble. I didn't see any of the other part, any of it. So I am going to have to go back and watch the whole show. I, I know the results, so that's about it. Yeah. Um, uh, Bianca Belair. Can I just touch on Bianca Belair, by the way? Sure, go for it. You know, yeah. uh, not in a perfect I know way. nothing about her. I didn't know who she was. I've got, uh, I can't lie, I didn't know who right, she was. Right, well, I, I, a couple of years ago, I turned around. I said this on Twitter. You could probably go back on my Twitter and find that exact tweet. Um, she, she'd been around for a little bit. She had a couple of matches. She was in the May Young Classic. I think that's where she debuted. And then she debuted on NXT fully and all that. And I said that this girl is a fucking star. And she is going to be one of the best women's wrestlers in the world in a few years' time. I still stand by that. She has charisma in fucking spades. She's probably the most charismatic women's wrestler they have. Sorry, Sasha Banks. You know, she is so much better on the mic. You know, she's she is just... She's just that damn good. She's always had that little it factor. That's the thing that I looked at. She has the it factor. But the one thing that really stuck out is like she 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 was a gymnast uh, before she became a wrestler, and she 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 has the ac- uh, acrobatic style, and you know what what you expect for someone like that. But she just has immense power. Like Dakota Kai, I think it were. This is the first time she ever done this, and she's done this a few times since. It was Dakota Kai. She was prone on the mat. And she deadlifted her off the mat over her head in an immense shot of power. And you look at her, she doesn't look tall. She, you can tell she's muscular, but you don't, you don't look at her as like a power lifter or like that. And she just has that core strength. She is fucking, you know, just so fucking good. And she's really picked up as a wrestler. Just any, you know, she just gets it. She just gets it. That's all I can say. She just gets wrestling. Someone that had no prior training. And she just came in, and she's just proving the doubt is wrong. And, yeah, just look out for her. She's a really good wrestler, really fucking good. She's getting better all the time, and she reminds me... Her, tra- her trajectory reminds me of Charlotte in many ways. When Charlotte first came in, she was really fucking green, and anyone, anyone could say, look, you know what, she 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 may be a second-generation gener- wrestler, but she's not one for this world. When she worked hard at it, and she just got better... Bianca Belair, she was noticeably, noticeably green when she started, and she's worked on it. And I've, she's she's gotten she's she's just got the business really fucking quickly. She's an absolute yeah. star. Can't not plug her enough. And by the way, I should say this: Mark Henry was the one that got her signed. All right. Yeah, he spotted her and said, "You got to sign her. You got to sign her." And it and it helps that she's a wrestling fan as well. So. Well, bright prospects. Um, I, I, I've got to be honest. Uh, like it was her and Naomi in the final, uh, and I, I was a, I was a big fan of Naomi. To be honest, I, I thought yeah. she she really reminded me of um, one of the girls in um, fucking what it Street Fire with really longer and used to be able to use it as a weapon. Are you know about Sindel or Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I'm fucking shocking with them games because I never really used to play them. <laughs> I just I remember vaguely watching like the film and 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 fucking now I've got how old how old's that now that must have been like ninety six yeah mid nineties yeah yeah fucking hell um 
but yeah, I like the look of Naomi as well, and obviously, um, fucking Charlotte Flair, Charlotte Flair. Um, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of exciting stuff. But we've had conversations in the past, haven't we, about like the ring size and the wish the ring size was a little bit smaller, the ropes were a little bit lower because they just look so small. Uh, but that's something we'll get into another day. Um, but that's the first bit of WWE that I've watched in, so, in fucking God knows how long. Yeah, and it actually that, wasn't that bad. That's also one thing that we that I have to pick up as well. Is something I don't even notice this, but when it when it pertains to the women's Royal Rumble, they do actually bring the ropes down a little bit because a lot of right. women are shorter, so they find it a little bit more difficult to uh, to to push an opponent over the top rope or to go over the top rope. You know, they yeah. do actually bring them down by design. Yeah, uh, it's dangerous though. as well because at their height, you know that that top rope could do them some serious injury with a neck or a head because they're going to be bouncing their head off the, the actual rope. I did notice that with the when I was watching that. So by the way, that short. It's just what I'm going to do uh, as a little bit of a, a reaction, uh, live reaction. I am sending you this military press that uh, Bianca, uh, this deadlift military press, should I say, that Bianca Belair did. Uh, it looks like she's doing it on Candice LeRae here. But yeah, this is one of her, her big spots. Uh, but yeah, because I, I, I just have to show you it because it's just so impressive. Um, so I'm sending it through Signal. One sec. Let me paste it. It's only a 15 second clip. So, yeah. insane in it that's yeah. fucking stupid power yeah so am i th- i'm thinking of the wrong person then i'm saying naomi yeah i'm on so- about the wrong person that's her. <laughs> no, i just looked through i just looked through the fucking entrance list and the very last one it says it says naomi was the last one but she wasn't no natalia was the final person in no 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 i mean the, the last one eliminated oh uh, yeah no that would be ripley weren't it i don't know uh- well, that's her anyway, with the really, really, really long, um, darker, yeah, in a in a ponytail. Yeah, that's her. Sorry, <laughs> so it's Bianca Belair. My bad. Yeah, well, it just it, goes to show. I just don't fucking watch. I just don't watch it anymore. <laughs> I just don't know who the fuck's who. Yeah, but yeah, fair enough. Like, but yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Like, she's yeah, definitely, really fucking good. Yeah, yeah and Naomi, good on her own. Uh, but yeah, Bianca Belair is the future. Of women's wrestling folks trust me on that you heard it here first well no you didn't you heard it a few places but that's that's fine <laughs> so we're going to get back to into this uh we've, we've had a little uh segue into the um royal rumble which Rey mysterio was a part of insanely i couldn't believe it um this is a technical contest with Dame, dean malenko to start with uh, a couple of chances to showcase ray's aerial ability to malenko attempts a march no, I'm right. Malenko, <laughs> Mal- yeah, fucking spell checks done me again. Malenko attempts to match it with a running turnbuckle crossbody, but misses. But and it only and it only gets a two for Ray. A tilt wheel reversal from Ray into a clothesline on Ray, and Heenan says he folded him like an envelope. Uh, the slower pace as Malenko takes over, particularly with a half crab lion tamer, which looks fucking really brutal. Every time Malenko gets on the mat, it's got to be a submission. Um, yeah. Obviously, he's trying to ground and pound Mister Mysterio because obviously, 
we all know that he's really good in the air. Shivani um, again. Go on. Yeah, I was going to say there's around this time as well where Bobby Heenan just randomly shouts delightfully on top of his voice as well about Rey Mysterio. He's got no hair. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why? What was the whole point of that? He's just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony Schiavone just goes, yep, he doesn't. Like, you know, just nonchalantly. Like, I don't understand that, but it's it's all about the hair again. I'm pretty sure Mean Gene is fucking investigating that now as we speak. You know, I'd say speak in 1996, obviously, but fuck. Really weird, really weird commentary. Yeah. Shivani again plugs the encore for tomorrow night of the Great American Bash again, and they're shilling, shilling this quite a lot. And he even say, Heenan says, even I'll buy it, because he didn't get to see everything that heard that night, obviously being the, uh, the coach for the horseman. Tony then says, I'd buy it as well. To which he- to which Heenan says, oh, okay, I won't buy it then. I'll just come around to yours and watch it. I'll pay you <laughs> off, honest. <laughs> a slap of Ray's head hits the mat from a powerbomb and a very sexual pin from Milenko again, who basically couldn't change it because he'd already committed to doing it. But the camera angle just, it just looked like it had got too hot for TV. Uh, to the outside, Ray gets a reverse off of a whip into the barrier. Uh, top rope Frankensteiner when he gets back into the ring and jumps from the top rope to the outside the actual rope not the turnbuckle um, really nice some really nice reversals to end this one with high momentum uh, really speedy and a reverse DDT which Tony calls completely wrong uh, right into Ray's bold cue ball of a head quote Heenan will win it for Malenko the winner via this one Dean Malenko via pinfall 8 minutes 42 seconds wrestling observer newsletter this isn't going to be a common thing I don't think uh, 3 and a quarter stars for that one yeah, I agree. I mean, for just short of nine minutes, they packed a lot in. But yeah. like, I, we, we've seen better cruiserweight matches. But fucking hell, it's just good to see a cruiserweight match on the on the show. Yeah, and is. the cruiserweight titles. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the first time we've actually seen it on Nitro. I think it is. Yeah, yep. I think it is. Yep, good stuff. And we got to see a little bit more of what Mysterio can do because we I, I don't think we really saw like we didn't see we certainly didn't see you know springboard Frankenstein who's at Great American Bash so no. to see it on a national scale TV audience good stuff more to come the final match in this one we're going to wrap it up now with the WCW World Heavyweight title uh, the Giant with Jimmy Hart who is the champion obviously versus uh, a heavily taped up Scott, Scott Steiner two defences in two nights for the Giant you can't argue that he isn't a fighting champion cause it seems like every week he's, he's oh, defending yeah. that belt every week I mean, it, it's it's there to put over over the giant more than anything. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, fighting champion, not a bad idea, really. Especially yeah. with somebody that's so limited in the ring. Mm-hmm. It, it does cover a lot. If, it, if he's defending the title every week, if it'd be a fucking 30-second match or eight-minute match, it does cover for him. It's just saying, like, okay, yeah, he's green. He's not really doing a lot, but he's still winning that title. He's still retaining the title, and he's still putting it on the line every single week. Yep. You know, it's a good story. That's what I'm saying. Good story. The majority of this match is all giant. Concentrating on the tape ribs of Scotty with all sorts of offensive moves, like he's dropping big elbows, like standing elbows and crazy. Because all the time we see the giant, he's always on his feet doing everything. Yeah. Apart from the giant chalk slam, which he falls down with the opponent. But with this, he's, he's doing flying elbows and all sorts. Um, fair play to Scott for taking all this punishment for so long as well. He, fair he was, play for- Fair play for the Giant, actually willing to be so giving to Scott here as well. Yeah. Because yeah. like any any time Scott gets an offence in, he like, you know, I think there's like two or three three occasions in this match, 
Scott lifts his giant off his feet. Yeah, he does. Giant goes for a chair after a good portion of this contest sees him dominate. Scott gets a momentary comeback going after Giant attempts to get back into the ring over the top rope, pulling the rope up into the Giant bollocks. <laughs> the Giant is back on top again shortly thereafter, though. A corner splash attempt from the Giant is missed, and Scotty gets a huge T-bone suplex off to a massive pop from the fans and Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah. Only gets a two-count. Uh, Steiner with more rights and boots to the Giant, but the Giant looks like he's just getting back up. Uh, he actually he stomps his boot with authority to make it look like to everyone, I'm getting back up. Uh, this means that Scott is just going to grab the wooden chair while the referee's telling Jimmy off for not doing anything because he didn't do anything wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh, Nick Patrick, by the way. I thought I should just fucking note that because we're about to get into some Nick Patrick, Patrick shithousery. Yeah, um, also, also note that every time he's in the fucking ring because we don't just have one referee with a mullet and a be- uh, moustache now. We don't have two referees with a mullet and a moustache now. We have fucking three because there was yes. one in the Rey Mysterio match, which, by the way, <laughs> there was one point they had to bring up. When, uh, when, when Dean Wenko has... Rey Mysterio in the single leg crab there's a fucking close up pan to the referee in that yeah. match and he looks really fucking concerned for no reason <laughs> and I just fucking loved it so much I don't know why 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 was he concerned you just you know to do a job but he just looked like <laughs> he was out of place he looked like he was in fear and oh by the way he has the worst mullet moustache combination ever as well he, he looks like he's 20 odd and he's got a, a moustache and the mullet makes him look old, but the mullet isn't even either. It, no. it, it looks really fucking rinky-dink. But who, who am I to judge a referee on his hairstyle? But yeah, back back to this. Yeah, it's, it's got, coming it, back in. Yeah, it's coming back in. Is the mullet? Just so you know. Yeah. Can't wait for you to grow one. Mm, n- uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy's in to recover the chair that Scotty has just grabbed hold of. But just as Scotty squ- swings, uh, Scott just throws Jimmy under the corner turnbuckle comically. He actually let go of the tra- chair initially. Uh, Scott again swings the chair once he's picked it back up at the Giant, and it partially shatters, but to no effect, not even from Nick Patrick, who doesn't throw it out. Last week, a DQ happened because nobody did anything. This week, there's no DQ when you do do something. Logic. Oh, yeah. Giant- he, had, he had his back turned. That was a, that was a problem. Like, th- th- this did he? Thing. Yes. Only slightly, because I rewound this, I'm like... Because I had that bone of contention, like, okay, you saw that, but he had his back turned just... He just oh. turned around as it sh- as it all the f- all the shit landed on the floor. Now it's just one of them wrestling things. Like, well, I didn't see it, so I can't call it. Like, yeah. you, there is a wooden chair shattered all <laughs> over the fucking ring here. Clearly, you know what's happened. The giant didn't oh. sit on it, and it collapsed under his weight, mate. With Scott that, Steiner it, still it, holding it, the rest of it in his hands, exactly. <laughs> it, I love some of these little rules in wrestling because they just make for an entertaining discussion like this, especially with WCW, yeah. that where there's more fucking wooden chairs than steel chairs now. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't think we've seen a steel chair like for ages. I always keep seeing his wooden chairs. Yeah, like it was the wooden bar still. Wait, I think it's just the giant. Every time the giant's there, it's it's got to be wooden. Uh, in one match, it was a plastic chair. So, like, you know, then that's that like, was Scott Steiner and Lex and Sting, though, weren't it? Oh, yeah, that uh, was Scott Steiner yeah. and the Road Warriors. Yeah, I, I was just naming fucking random random variations of chairs that they've been using. Oh, right. I thought you meant just in giant matches. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I'm so, pretty sure at some point there's going to be a desk chair. There probably will be, yeah, at some point. 
Matt Shaw just chasing fucking Bobby Heenan with, with his own with his commentary chain. <laughs> this ends with giant throttling Scotty and it's a giant choke slam for the win. Simple as that. Winner the giant via pinfall. Apparently it was dead on ten minutes according to uh, a website. Uh, we see <laughs> we see another Glacier promo as we're told that the um, end of Nitro is going to give the announcement of who is going to face the outsiders at Bash at the Beach nineteen ninety six. There was actually two Glacier promos in this program. I didn't detail the first one. Um, they're really, really pushing this now. And we close off Nitro with the three to face, Hall and Nash. Gene says that six of the top guys from WCW, Hogan, Giant, Fleur, Luger, Sting and Macho, were all in the final pot to be picked. And the final three will be Lex, Macho and Sting to face the Outsiders at the Bash the bash at the Beach now, now the six. A packed and stacked WCW Nitro there, number 40. Um, a rating of 3.4 to Rose 2.3 for the first week of 83 weeks of wins for WCW here. Whew. What say you, Bodacious yeah, one? Uh, not a bad show this week. The one thing I really liked is obviously the keeping to the pace, but they're getting a lot of the really shit stuff out in the first half and just it, it just upped the ante in the second half. Like towards the end of the first hour, to be honest with you, you know, mm. it up the ante, but yeah, it would just continuously good stuff after that. So I can't really fault it this week, you know. It weren't spectacular by any means, just a solid show. Yeah. You know? I, I've got to say, I mean, and I've seen a lot of footage from WCW, but I love this Nitro. I think it's up there as one of my favorites. It's in my top 10. Easily. Really? Yeah, I think this is. I, I think it's just. I think the macho flair dynamic just completely. I just, Puts it next level. Yeah, just put sugar on a plain donut. Yeah, yeah. It just, I, I, I loved it. I just loved it. I mean, if you could take John Tenter and bloody Big Bubba out of it, you know, to be honest, that's probably the only thing I'd take out of it. Yeah. The rest of it fits and it does its job. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan. I'm a really big fan. And I'd never seen this Nitro before. So it was brand new to me and I just love it. So it's in my yeah. top 10 and I fucking love it. Um, well, I, I I gave it a three, so and I, I don't hand out with threes for Nitro often. No, so no, yeah, don't, I don't think you have. To no, be I I have for one before, but right. that, I, that I can remember. But yeah, it, it, it's a it was a really good show and conspicuous by the Rabsons, uh Sting and Lex Luger, yep. and the Outsiders. It yep. didn't harm the show at all, did it? It didn't. I, I mean, we we really needed to have the week off. From Sting and Luger because they're at risk of being overexposed if they haven't been overexposed already because they were just seemingly on the show every single week so it's good for them to have a little bit of a break in terms of Harlan Nash they weren't there but they were still the focal point of the show yeah. they didn't really need to be there I don't know why they weren't there I don't I don't know if there was any particular reason why they weren't on the show or why why they weren't booked if they, if, if if the purpose was just to have them sit back and them talk the talk rather than walk the walk but commentary doing the talking obviously but yeah there was still there was still the main talking point and it they weren't missed at all they really no. weren't well they did something massive didn't they the day before power bombing yes kept uh, eric bischoff so yeah i think their absence fits there because number one they've done something wrong they could be thrown in jail it makes you think doesn't it oh no what what the fuck so what they've done there is they've done something big take them away now so that people can just fester in their own minds and create their own scenario like we're yeah. a, we're a hole in Nash you know have they been thrown in jail as fucking whatever else happened and to go back to your point about Sting in particular as well he was used three times on the previous Nitro 
So overexposure is the right word for you to use there. Yes. Absolutely. Um, this shows how deep this roster is to put out such a decent show without, you know, you, your biggest baby face, hands down, uh, Lex Luger, who's arguably, you know, the biggest contender to the world title at this mm-hmm. moment in time. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously, like you said, the outsiders, William Regal as well, who's been getting a push recently. It just goes to show that depth's there. Um, and and see, it, again, there's another person that wasn't really missed on the show, you know, Stephen Regal. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have been nice to see him, but he wasn't missed. We, we had a really good variety, which is something that I've always complained about, about the show. It's like we, we had, what, two tag matches in the whole show? Yeah. You know, that that's a rare thing, because you usually end up with at least one more tag team match. You know, we had a cruiserweight match, we just had a really, a really nice variety of young stars and old stars as well. Like it did, did a really good job, and even even the newer stars like Joe Gomez. I mean, he had he didn't have a bad outing at all. He he looks apart, and as you say, like John Tenter and Big Bubba, that was probably the only match I'll take out. It wasn't really a good match, but the angle afterwards, it it was something. It was it it it, it wasn't entertaining by any means. It wasn't entertaining at all. But it it felt like it meant something, and. Yeah. You, that's the, that's what we really need in this yeah. is things start to actually mean something even the little little things and I thought Joe G- Gomez's hair was absolutely beautiful oh, yeah, that's a topic for another day yeah <laughs> the raw results going up against this Nitro the King of the Ring quali- quarter finals match Steve Austin defeating Savio Vega in 7 minutes and 30 seconds after the bout Austin joined the commentary team for the next match uh, this match was the debut of the Stone Cold Stunner the next match was a King of the Ring quarterfinals. I'll get that. I'll say that again. A King of the Ring quarterfinals match. Mark Murrow with Sable defeating Owen Hart. And after this bout, as Murrow opened the ropes for Owen to leave, Owen hit Murrow with a cast on his arm, knocking him off the apron to the floor, and then knocking him out with a second blow. Hunter Hearst Helmsley fought Aldo Montoya to a no contest when Jerry Lawler, anxious to show off the tactics he planned to use on the Ultimate Warrior at the King of the Ring, attacked Aldo before Helmsley made his entrance. Moments thereafter, uh, Montoya sustained a pile driver. Jake Roberts came out to make the save. Jake Roberts defeated WWF Intercontinental Champion Goldust with Marlena versus uh, via a reverse decision. Fuck what? Goldust had, <laughs> Goldust had originally won the match via pinfall after throwing gold flakes into Roberts' eyes, but referee Harvey Whippleman changed the call after seeing the substance on Jake's face after the match. Listen up, Nick Patrick. When you see the remnants on the mat <laughs> of something that's happened, you can make a call. <laughs> um, moments thereafter, Jake the Snake hit the DDP on the champion, and that was that was WWF Raw. Um, wow! All I can think of that uh, for all that was mm, King of the Ring quarter pounders. That does sound nice. You very nearly <laughs> said that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm fucking hungry now. <laughs> I, I've had McDonald's this week as well, and, and uh, the guy at work said, "Oh, you having another McDonald's?" And I said, "Fucking hell! If I have another McDonald's, I'm going to start start calling it McDonald's instead of McDonald's because <laughs> it's going to be some sort of a, uh, addiction." Uh, a quick run through of what happened in the wrestling world as well. I won't stand on ceremony like I did last week or the week before. Uh, Brian Pillman signed a three-year contract with the WWF this week. He was actually offered a three-year contract with Bischoff as well. However, that fell through because Bischoff had 
added a provision into the contract that said that WCW can re-examine the, his contract every 90 days. The reason that why this was in was obviously because Pillman had been in a car crash and he weren't sure that he was going to be able to perform to the levels that he could before his car wreck. Makes sense, if you ask me, but Pillman wasn't okay with it and he obviously wanted the guaranteed money. Um, it's also noted that WCW was actually paying him over a million dollars with this contract. So... He turned down quite a few quid. Yep. Thank you very much to everybody for listening, and a special thank you to our brand spanking new sponsor of the Nitrogen Podcast. That's right, folks. We've got a sponsor. I can't believe it. Yeah. It's nearly a year. In fact, it's under a year, and we've managed to get our first sponsor. If you've ever, ever watched a wrestling show and thought to yourself, I can do this better, I can book this better, my ratings will be through the roof, I'm the next Vince Russo, not that that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, download this, seriously, and test yourself, because it is fucking brilliant you can take over a federation a brand new federation an old federation you know aw wwe you can even get packs that will send you back to the monday night wars that we're doing now get on it because it is fucking brilliant it's so good they're doing regular updates now to make sure that all the free agents lists are fully up to date and obviously the roster lists as well um, in fact there's something like 1900 wrestlers in the entire thing um, with details, age, build, you know, weight, height, all kinds of stuff. There's 21 promotions in it at this moment in time in the, in the stock version. 280 pre-built match types. When we do this, Brian, I can't even. I probably couldn't name 100. No, I couldn't. And these guys are like, yeah, well, we got 280. Um, you know, <laughs> they're all in the game. We do have a release schedule, which I'm going to detail for you now. So as this has dropped on the 13th of February, Nitro 41 will drop on the 27th of February, Nitro 42 on the 13th of March, which is my birthday. Yeah, go me. And the 20th of March will be when Bash at the Beach 1996 will drop. For me, Marvelous Mark Ashford and my man over there, Bodacious Brian Bradshaw. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. We'll see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast.